This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 66. Instagram, nomadic teachings, and tips for students. For this episode, I sat down with Adele Bridges. Adele is a yoga teacher who has traveled the world to share her love of yoga. Her background as a gymnast plays a meaningful role in the playful and creative style of her teachings, which she intertwines with pranayama, yoga philosophy, and anatomy to take the physical practice into a journey of inner awareness and acceptance. Adele trained in India before teaching in Asia, Europe, Central and North America, sharing her own journey in hopes of inspiring and serving others in their own. As always here on the podcast, I really appreciate your support, whether it's through iTunes reviews or through the Patreon platform. You now have three different options to show your support on Patreon. For as low as $5 a month, you can get access to more content, to exclusive episodes, tutorial, guided meditations, and more. And on the second and third tier, you get access to some or all the classes we've been recording on Zoom and continue to record during this shelter in place. So if you'd like to have access to all that extra content or and you'd like to support and help me produce this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat and become a premium member on the tier of your choice. Now, before we get to today's episode, I have one last announcement about my upcoming India yoga retreat. With the COVID situation and the traveling situation not getting better, I have decided to postpone to the following year. So instead of meeting in India in February 2021, we will meet there in February 2022. In the meantime, I am adding another retreat in Europe for the fall of 2021 instead. So stay tuned for more details about that. All right, ready? Let's get to our episode of today with Adele. Hi, Adele. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So Adele, for listeners that don't know you very well, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your yoga journey to start it off? Sure. I'm I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, I have um, I've been teaching for a few years now, and I mostly teach around the world teaching workshops, although that's come to a screeching halt now, thanks to our little virus friend. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, still um, just, well, putting into practice everything that uh, I'm always telling my students about. Um, and uh, just kind of rolling with the punches. Um, I started yoga purely, you know, from a physical point of view, like so many people do, mm -hmm. but quickly learned that something about it was making me feel calmer and more at ease with challenges. And um, it took me a few years to figure out like what, how doing some stretches on the mat actually improved like my whole outlook on life. But mm -hmm. um But yeah, that that's become kind of my my whole mission is to get more people to feel this sense of calm and and just joy from from this practice. Mm -hmm. I've read that you said that yoga has changed your life for the better in every way. So yeah. would you elaborate on that a little bit more other than that calmness or where were you before? Were you particularly anxious? Like how how does it help you or change you? Well, I think it's because it it taught me to understand who I am beneath all the labels. You know, like the, we attach our identities to our jobs or how much money we have or what stuff we have, you know, what, what car we drive or what area of town we live in or, or who our friends are or 
you know, what clothes we're wearing, all of these things. And as soon as I realized through the practice of yoga that that there's so much more to who we are than just these external labels or even the thoughts that we have or even the emotions that we feel. Like there's some like all of that is just is just physical, really, because it, it you know even our thoughts and our emotions technically are physical because they're due to the, what the brain is producing, what the hormones and um, and chemicals in our bodies are doing. Um, and, and as soon as I realized that all of that is just one thing, but that's not who I am on a deeper level, it just, it, it, I mean, you can't have that experience and not touch every single part of your life. And mm-hmm. so I um, was, you know, s- sort of slowly over time, over about a year or so, I would say of the, the first year or so of my, my really in-depth practice of of yoga, um, I reassessed my relationships. You know, a lot of the friendships that I have didn't survive because mm-hmm. I realized that they were toxic um, or just not not fueling me, not nourishing me. Um, and I wasn't nourishing them either, you know, um, and all sorts of things. Um, the the way that I thought about money and my income versus my expenses, the way that I thought of my um, my body and how I wanted to fuel that with food, um, nutritional food, and not poison it with things like alcohol, which I was drinking far too much of before. It, you know, all of these things, it just, it completely changed my mindset. Mm-hmm. Um and and so all of those things kind of fell into place. I think that's so common for people, especially like with food and relationships. Like as you start to embody the practice and connect to yourself, you get so much more clarity on what works for you and what doesn't because you take what's happening on the mat off the mat. And then you're like, yeah, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And like yoga ruins your life in a, for a second and then it makes it all better again. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's so funny you said that. I remember um, I went to a David Swenson workshop and he talked about that, how yoga will ruin your life if your life was previously drinking, gossiping, uh, eating junk food, uh-huh. sitting on your app all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Talking about the identification and the labels that we put on ourselves, how do you stay out of that and how do you stay anchored into what the practice means to you when you have such a big Instagram following or when you have such a big practice online that is um that is pulling people in from the physical aspects of it and not you know my question is like how do you stay out of the ego of it or how do you stay connecting to the connected to the other aspects of yoga without labeling yourself as a type of yogi due to your social media or the way you're presenting your capacity physically, let's say? Um, hmm. I feel like I might have multiple answers to yeah. that. Um, that very complex question. It is. And like, there's like five um, questions in there too. I'm sorry. It's not like, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's all good. Um, uh, I think part of it with, with Instagram um, and this is, this hasn't always been the case whenever I first started it wasn't the case but but definitely um in in more recent years I think of it as a service 
And so I'm not necessarily, whenever I make content for Instagram, I'm not necessarily going like, this is what I do. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. more like, this is, this is what I found to be helpful for me that I think might be useful to you. I'm always thinking about like what I'm putting on there through the lens of the the people who are going to see it rather Mm -hmm. than just, um, just from a kind of purely like self-centered kind of point of view, which is, I think the, the tendency that we fall into for Mm -hmm. social media. So easy. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, I, I'm so grateful for all of the people who follow me and who, um, especially the ones who actually engage with my content. You know, they they send me messages, they comment on my posts, um, they they send me emails asking me questions and stuff. Like those are the people that I have to thank for everything that that I've got. You know, through my Instagram mm-hmm. page, and so. So I want to be a value to those people and I want to post things that are useful to them. Um, and and so I think of it in that point of view. Um, so it's really about the why. So that, yeah, yeah, just having that. I mean, and that's something that I talk about just for yoga in general, whatever aspect of it, whatever um, whatever part of your day your yoga is showing up in, um, (laughs) what is the intention behind it? Like, why are you doing it? And and if you can answer that question, it doesn't matter what the answer is. Like I always tell people like at my handstand workshops, for example, I say, why, why do you want to learn to do a handstand? And I don't care if the answer is because I think it looks really cool and I want to impress people. Like it doesn't have to be this like deep philosophical Mm -hmm. sounding thing. But just know what it is, know why you're doing it and, and own it and be like, yeah, okay, that's it. And, and let that be behind everything that you're doing for that practice. So, yeah, um, I, I, that was just one answer, but mm-hmm. now I've kind of forgotten <laughs> everything else. <laughs> well, I was, I was wondering about um, over-identification with your body or your practice as a, as a yoga teacher, particularly when you have such an advanced physical practice, like maybe like, have you considered, have you thought about what happens today? Because I know you got injured recently. You, um, broke a heel or an ankle or something like that. I, yeah, I did a few things to my ankle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in in a situation like that, when your physical practice gets kind of thrown off a little bit, how do you feel? How do you realize that you are more than your body and you're more than that physical practice? Well, I mean, I think that the beauty of the physical practice is that it does always kind of bring you to that place if you give it a chance to, because just the, the very nature of it is moving and breathing in unison and paying attention fully to your movement, to your breath, to how you feel in each part of how you move. And that just brings you into this, this present moment. And you're, you're completely for, for those few minutes, however long it is, you're, you're no longer aware or you're no longer thinking about like what's going to happen Mm. or what has happened. You are just right there in that present moment. And 
And I guess like, I don't know, maybe because of just how I've always been, I've always been very, very much like a, a mover and athletic kind of person. And you're not just in the present moment, but you are in a state where you are, you're just working with what you've got, I guess, you know, you're, you've forgotten about all the things that you wish you had or that you used to have because you're in the present moment. So you're not, it's not just about time. It's about using the resources that you've got. And so, you know, when I had an ankle injury, I was moving on my yoga mat, doing my yoga practice as best as I could um, with, without harming my ankle as it recovered. And um yeah, I think, and it just brings me into this sense of total gratitude and joy um, reminding me, because again, it's this tool, isn't it? Like you're, the physical practice is a tool. And so from that point of view, it was the tool that taught me that I can always overcome whatever challenges mm. I've got, that I've always got this, this practice, whatever that might be, even if it's... Um, you know, just being able to breathe, like, or just being able to focus on one simple thing. Um, yeah, I feel like I've gone so off topic um, from what your original question was, but I got so distracted a couple of times as well. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, what I was really saying is basically that you have such a beautiful and deep physical practice that sometimes people will forget, like people that will follow you online might forget that it's not all about that. And so we talked about, you know, putting labels and ident identifying with our bodies. And as we get injured, we realize sometimes that, you know, there's more to the practice. Sometimes we know it before, but we realize it in a different way. When we get injured, we're like, oh, I can't do the things I want to do with my body that I normally do. And that teaches us something different about our practice and our state of yoga, which you were talking, which the aim is to quiet the mind and to find that calm place. And so whether you do it through the physical practice or you do it through different things, we're all going in the same direction, kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, talking about your practice itself, the asana practice, I know you, obviously, you're super strong, you're super flexible. You did this uh, project on hypermobility, or it's still ongoing right now. Yeah, it's yeah. new. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Just if you can explain what hypermobility is and why you guys wanted to address, you and Celeste wanted to address that issue. Sure. Yeah. It's very much ongoing. We've still got lots of exciting stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, So hypermobility, joint hypermobility syndrome or um, joint hypermobility spectrum disorder is it's a connective tissue disorder. So it affects all of the connective tissues of the body. It's a it's caused by a disruption in the collagen um, collagen. Um, you may or may not know is the most abundant protein in the body. Um, it makes up um, it's, it's part of the makeup of our fascia, our muscles, tendons, ligaments, our blood vessels, our gut lining, um, you know, the, the, the walls of our stomach and esophagus, uh, everything. So it's throughout the body. And uh, so hypermobile people have extra stretchy 
tissues, basically. Mm-hmm. So this makes us naturally very flexible. Uh, that's the kind of most the most obvious thing, and 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 for a lot of people, the their understanding of hypermobility stops there, but it actually goes so much deeper because, as you can imagine, if it affects your blood vessels and it affects your gut lining and and it affects your skin and all of this then it's going to have an effect on more than just how mobile your joints are Mm -hmm. but um yeah so we've we've written a book which is in um it's it's in the process of being edited now and will hopefully be out towards the end of this year and that goes into kind of like Mm. all of that um the the deep fascinating things I think is fascinating things about hypermobility but going back to your question the reason that we started that Celeste and I started this is um, because we are both hypermobile and we are both, you know, big anatomy geeks as well. We love learning about anatomy, learning about um, how to how to move optimally. And um, so, I was talking to her. This is like two years ago, a little more than two years ago, actually. Um, about how, yeah, like because I started out with my yoga journey being very flexible because I'm naturally flexible, but having no strength. But then through practicing yoga in my own kind of my, my own unique way and kind of ignoring what a lot of yoga teachers would cue and doing it my own way so that I built strength and I was never stretching passively. I was never focusing on flexibility. I was always focused on building strength into my flexibility. Mm -hmm. I felt that I had overcome like all of the, the aches and pains, the joint problems that I once had. And, and that's why I was, I, I felt like a superhuman. And I wanted to share that with, with other people who are hypermobile because, um, and, and she was like, oh my gosh, I've wanted to do this too. Let's team up. So, so that's how it began. And she's got just an incredible knowledge of anatomy and biomechanics. And I've learned so much from her, but, um, but yeah, it's because, because hypermobile people are drawn to yoga because one of the um totally. one of the the things about hypermobility is we are more prone to anxiety we're more sensitive as well so like um sometimes we're called um hypersensitive people um and and these kinds of people you know if you if you are an anxious type if you are really sensitive plus you're flexible you go to a yoga class you're gonna be like oh my gosh this I love this, this. Is what I've been missing my whole life. Yes. You're going to love it. And then the problem is the way that yoga is traditionally taught by a lot of people is very, very harmful to hypermobile bodies. And, and a lot of the things to be honest are harmful to everybody. Um, and so that's, that's where it came from is just to educate people on what hypermobility is and if they have it, or if they are a yoga teacher and they have hypermobile students, which most likely if you are a yoga teacher and you have hypermobile students, um, because it affects between 10 and 20% of the population. It's not exactly rare. How do people Um, know if they are other than just flexibility? Because that's not, you know, measurable in a way like, oh, if you're past this amount of flexibility, then you automatically, 
Um, it's a good question. Yeah. Because I mean, you, there's the flexibility that people just work for mm-hmm. and then what, how do you know? So there's the, it's not perfect, but the, the best measure that we have right now is called the Baton scale. Um, and it just measures five different areas of the body. Two are in the hands of the thumb, the sort of wrist flexion, being able to bring your thumb to your wrist. Mm-hmm. And then the second is being able to bend your pinky finger back beyond 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, so two points like for each hand. So uh-huh. then hyperextending elbows and hyperextending knees. Yeah. And then being able to place your hands flat on the floor in a forward bend without bending your knees. Mm. Um, and and so each one of those, so obviously like each hand is one point, each elbow is one point. So it adds up to nine. And if um, d- various sources say different things, some say two, if you have more than two, then you're hypermobile. Mm. But most that I've come across say, if you've got more than five, then you are hypermobile. Okay. But it is also a spectrum disorder. And this means that some people, you know, they might be able to be, they might be like, yeah, look, I can bend my pinky backwards, but the rest of their body isn't really affected. And then on the other side of the spectrum is something called um, uh, joint hypermobility Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And that's where every joint is affected. The tissues are hugely affected and, um, and people with EDS, they, they'll know that they've, that there's something going on, that there's, you know, they're, they're the people who are probably spend a lot of time in doctor's offices saying like, I am tired all the time. All of my joints ache all the time. And then the doctors will be like, there's nothing wrong with you. Get out of here. Um, so yeah, it's, um, uh, something I'm very, very passionate about as you, might have to- been mm-hmm. able to uh, mm-hmm. to tell because Love I could it. just talk for hours about it. So the goal is to help people prevent injuries and create strength and stability. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it kind of starts with getting people to understand, you know, what what this condition is and being able to recognize it in themselves or others. But then, but then, yeah, like, um, but honestly, it kind of like. What what we've realized is what we talk about on our page and what we've written about in our book is relevant to everybody. Mm-hmm. The, the the thing that makes hypermobile people special is we we can't get away with not doing these things. People who are not hypermobile they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. They can and and you know beyond the um, the stretching and and strength training but going into like gut issues and fatigue and anxiety like um people who are not hypermobile they you know maybe they're they're less likely to have gut issues so they can get away with having a shitty diet i didn't know about that better than hypermobile people Mm -hmm. but because we can't get away with it like if we don't adhere to these practices which help us get through this this you know living in these bodies um, it, the way that we see it is like, we're kind of like the canary in the coal mine. We are, we're more sensitive to the kind of the, the issues that, um, affect all of us in our modern lives, like, you know, processed food and way too much time spent looking at screens and all of these things. Like we're just more, we're more sensitive to it. So we're kind of like, we are the superheroes because we're the ones that are more likely to be like, hang on, there's something not right here. 
Does that make sense? Totally, totally. And I didn't know it affected those other areas of your body. I've never considered that. Um, what is the book going to be called? Have you guys decided on a title? Yeah, the title is Too Flexible to Feel Good. Oh, I like it. And it should be yeah. out when, you said? I kind of want to get it. I want to read it. So it's this, we're not really sure, but um, you'll know when it's out because we're going to be promoting it like crazy. But okay. um, we'll be talking Stay about it just because we're so excited. But hopefully um, around the end of October, beginning of November, if all goes well. But, you know, everything's kind of like up in the air now with coronavirus. So it might be a little bit later than that okay. now. But, yeah, we're hoping to get it out before Christmas at the latest. Oh, cool. Put it on my Christmas list. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to come back to something you said in the intro, and you were a nomadic teacher and doing workshops mostly as you traveled. And I wanted to do kind of a few burst question on different topics that you workshop on. Does that, does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. So like yeah. quick answers. Um, one tip for a better handstand. <laughs> oh, gosh. How do I answer that quickly? Impossible. I, I have three three-hour workshops on hand. Um, practice. There you go. <laughs> practice again and again. What's the one question people yeah. ask you the most often about durance and practice? Is there one that everybody asks? Um. Yeah. How long will it take me? <laughs> How long will it take me to get a handstand? So it comes back to you like, need to practice. That's the wrong mentality. You got to enjoy the journey because it's never going to end. <laughs> What's the one thing, maybe that's what you just said, one thing you wish people knew about that handstand practice? Uh, actually, I would say that um, the one thing that I wish people, that I love teaching people, that I, yeah, I love seeing people's eyes light up about it is it's so much more a mind game than what you're doing with your with your muscles, with your body. Mm -mm. So what, what body. mindset do you need? Well, um, a change of mindset towards the fear of falling for one thing, because mm -hmm. that's what hinders a lot of people, but also visualizing. I do a lot of visualization in, um, in one of my workshops, um, to, to use the power of the mind mm. to help yourself towards this, this skill. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you also have a workshop on backbending. What's your favorite backbend? Ooh. Do you have one? Um, maybe camel pose because mm. there's lots of different ver variations to that. So like if I could only do camel pose for the rest of my life, but I was allowed to do all the variations <laughs> of camel pose, then I think I'd be okay. <laughs> okay. Do you have one tip for safer backbends? squeeze the glutes engage the glutes keep your glutes back <laughs> that was my next question do you engage the glutes you do 100 <laughs> yes what do you yes. say to people that still think don't engage the glutes why do you engage the glutes because your glutes especially your gluteus maximus is what acts as a hip extensor and you've got to you um Plus that it also stabilizes your pelvis. And if your pelvis isn't stable, then you're going to be going into your low back and cause a lot of compression in your low back. Um, plus it just, uh, it does all sorts of other things. All the other glute muscles, like the gluteus medius acts as a external rotator, which is going to stabilize more towards the knees. Um, 
getting um, and, and helping to open up through the, the front of the hips to help extend your hips. Um, and it's all kind of connected um, neurologically and uh, kinetically uh, it to the, the deep core muscles. Um, so that's going to help stabilize your spine. There's all sorts of reasons to engage the glutes. What's your energetic experience of a deep backbend? Do you feel like things change energetically for you when you backbend? Sometimes. Uh, there, have, there have been times when I've felt very, very sad. Mm. Um, like recently, I... Um, well, I won't get into why, but I felt very sad. And so I did a backbend practice and... Um, yeah, it was very uplifting and, um, yeah, because, you know, it's kind of like, it doesn't really make sense to be sad when you're opening your chest up and, so it helps you let go of that sadness or move through that sadness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a mind trick. It tricks your brain into thinking that you're happy. (laughs) That that works. Um, you have a <laughs> workshop on fascia as well. So you talked about it a little bit when we were talking about the hypermobility, but why should we care about fascia? Why is that something we should know about? And Because it is throughout the whole body and it, it holds all of your muscles, your tendons, your bones, everything, even your guts, everything is encased in this fascia and it's and it's got all these different properties of different things that it likes, um, that it responds to, but then also things that will cause it to be quite tight Mm. or um, kind of end up like knotted or tangled. And, um, and so if you kind of understand some of the, these properties and what, what the fascia responds to and stuff, then you can, you can kind of get everything a little bit more juicy and fluid and, and moving a lot more effectively. Mm. Can you give an example of something it responds to well and something that makes it tighter or more, you know, less efficient? Well, it responds well to movement just movement in general, but moving in all different ways because it's it's got all these different properties for different types of movement. Um, it's what, a, you know, obviously, like if, if the fascia didn't allow for a type of movement, then we wouldn't have that type of movement. Um, and so it's kind of like um, use it or lose it. So yep. the more different types of movement that you make, the more your fascia is going to respond to that. Um, and in terms of like what what can cause it to um, to get kind of like gristly and stuff is uh, not moving is one thing. Um, and, you know, uh, the way that we see it in a lot of people is we move, we might move in the same way over and over again. Um, so, for example, if you sit at a desk all day, but then you go for a run. Cool. OK, you're doing something. But. Um, all of the movements that you're not doing are going to get kind of tight and stuff, but then also trauma like injury or having surgery um, or even an emotional trauma. And that's, that's kind of where the backbending comes in. What I was talking about previously, like Mm -hmm. um, if you have an emotional trauma, then that might cause you to hold yourself in a certain position. And then the fascia will begin to be developed um, around that position and so it can kind of like hold you into that emotional state as well Mm, I see 
Um, what's one thing you wish you knew about fascia like a long time ago that you know now, but you wish it was because it's newer kind of a subject, you know, we, we were not talking about fascia 10 years ago, not the way we talk about it now. Um, so if there's one thing that you have learned that has really helped you that you wished you you knew before, what would that be? I suppose, um, definitely it's just been in the last year or so that I've added a lot more, um, like explosive kind of movement. So jumping, for example, mm-hmm. bouncing to my, um, just my movement practice in general. And I, I often add it into my yoga practice because that's one of the, the properties of, of fascia. It's just one of the, the properties of a human being is this um, ability to jump. Um, and if you don't train that, then you lose it. And I started to really, really slow down, um, and, and lose my ability to, to run and jump and all of this. Cause I was just never doing it. Cause I was like, I just love yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I started adding that and it's, it's, it's gotten a lot better. So yeah, I suppose that. And do you do any other thing other, other than movement to take care of the fascia? Do you practice any form of rolling or rolfing or massage kind of thing? Um, well, before, before coronavirus, I was regularly getting massages. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, it's just a must for me. Um, every week or two weeks, just get a, a sports massage. Um, and it's more than just for the fascia. It's like self-care, it's mm-hmm. touch, it's, it's parasympathetic state. You know, there's so many benefits to it. Mm-hmm. The other workshop you had was on transitions. And so why should we think about our transition between poses? Why why does it matter? What happens in that space between the poses? That's my favorite workshop. Um, <laughs> uh, because, well, why, why not? Why put all the emphasis on the postures? Um, because the way that I talk about transitions in the workshop is if you think about it, transitions are just a series of postures that we move through quickly so you can pause somewhere and what I might do is I I get people like moving non-stop between two postures and then I turn the music off and wherever they are they have to stop and they have to think of that as a posture oh that's fun so yeah but because it's like you know why is that not a posture like just because it doesn't have a Sanskrit name or just because it's not like you know got a hashtag mm-hmm. and it's on Instagram or whatever that doesn't mean that it's not a posture because a posture is just any position you put your body in um and so the 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 reason that I get I like to get people to think about the transitions though is because well, there's many reasons, but if you're if you're focusing on what you're doing as you're moving towards the next posture, then A, you're going to be totally in that present moment as mm-hmm. opposed to thinking one second ahead. But B, you are also going to be paying attention to how your body is moving into that posture as opposed to just how your body is while it's in that posture. And so you're, you're going to be less likely to get injured. You're going to be more aware of what you know, what areas of your body are weak or hindering you um, Mm -hmm. to get into that next posture or whatever it is. And so it's a great place to learn. Um, Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on. It's my favorite (laughs) workshop and and it's like, it's actually where my- Why do you like it so much? 
Uh, well, I think it's because it, it's uh, it's basically it's my practice. I I mean, you, if you watch any of my videos on on Instagram, you'll see I don't really spend a whole lot of time in postures. I'm all about just moving constantly because that's where. I mean, not to say that you can't learn a whole lot um, when you're static in a posture, but just for me, it's more about that journey towards a posture and then the journey out of the posture. And um, and there's just so much to learn there. Um, and and because it's my practice and it's and it's how I come up with my sequences and everything as well. It's just it's kind of snowballed into this creative sequencing method mm-hmm. that I'm that I've also been sharing online and in and in live workshops um which I just love sharing as well because it's another thing that I just I see people's like their their eyes just go like it's like ding oh I just get it I get it now and um it's just so much fun yeah <laughs> so it gives you a little bit of a freedom a more flowy movement and some yeah. kind of grace as well in the way you move yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I like that you mentioned freedom because one thing that I'm all about is like just moving out of what your habitual movements are and and kind of, yeah, going back to that like questioning of like, well, why am I doing this? Mm. And so why not do it in a different way? Yeah, moving in every way possible, exploring yeah. why you're moving that way and making the most of every moment and not only looking at the list of official poses and be like, oh, I'm here and next I'm going there, but seeing just like in life, what happens in between everything's, you know, like if you're waiting in line somewhere, can you make, can you take this moment to be in that quiet state of mind or instead of, you know, I find teaching and learning transitions on the mat are really helpful in life because we are constantly transitioning from thing to thing. That's basically our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want to get geeky about it, even when you're in a posture, you're transitioning because you're breathing, you know, maybe you're wobbling a little bit, you're shifting your weight ever so slightly to keep your balance. You're, um, yeah, like yeah, everything nothing is, is really a- ever static. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. I know we have to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's like one takeaways you'd like listeners to leave this episode with, what would it be? Um, cool. We talked about so many different things. We just, we did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose just going back to something that we did touch on, like kind of what it all comes down to we get so it's you know this this whole world that we live in is 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 a very convincing illusion and we get very very distracted by things like you know our appearance and how we look compared to other people and how much money we're making and how our job is doing and um and you know if we're going to reach our goals and all of this and, and all that's you know it's a part of life and it's beautiful and it's lovely but there is so much more beneath all of those labels and all of the external physical aspects of life. And just mm-hmm. um, always remember, you know, what, um, what's, what's going to be important to you when you're taking your last breaths, looking back at your life as a whole. And just, just keep that perspective every once in a while. And what's going to be important for you when you take that last breath and you look back? 
What, sorry? What, what is, what is that going to be for you? What's going to be important when you're looking back at your life? I suppose I'll just want to, I want to feel like I did my best. Um, I did my best to make the most of my time in this body and make the most of um, my op every opportunity that I had to spread joy and happiness. That's great. I'll put all your info in the show notes, but obviously, but in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to say hello and they want to work with you in some way? Uh, well, Instagram is always a good place to start. And that's probably the first thing that'll pop up if you Google me. Um, but also everything that you need to know about me is on my website, which is just my name, adelebridges.com. So pretty, pretty easy to find, except for the fact that I don't spell Adele right. <laughs> you have uh, two L's. <laughs> it's A-D-E-L-L -L Bridges. Yeah. And it's the com. same on Instagram, right? Just with yoga, Adele's Bridge yeah. Yoga. Great. Nope, nope, just, no, just your bridges. name. Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure chatting with Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen. And if you wanted to continue, don't forget to visit patreon.com slash on and off your mat. You can donate or become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Adele Bridges, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to Alexander Saba, working in the background, creating the music, editing, and mastering this podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.